Hello, friends. It's been close to a year since we've been right here to talk about your and our favorite show, Mr. Robot. We've got it all for you. We've got... Man, who's behind that door? The popcorn machine. All the things. We're talking about them here. We're talking about them next. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Huh. This is a nice, refreshing, normal feels like home tone. A bit, you know? I love this song. This song mm. takes me back to my childhood, actually. Yeah, yeah. turn it up. Daydreaming Blue by iMonster. And I don't know if you want to. I don't know if you guys had a chance because this song, the band iMonster, was based off of a 1971 um, Jekyll and Hyde film. Mm. If you take it a step further, Elliot, Mr. Robot, Jekyll and Hyde. Perfect. Another little note. I feel like the show is deep enough that you can make these connections with everybody. Exactly. Because I found found myself today (laughs) making a lot of connections. I've been connecting all week, man. The the, the theme of control, I'm just like, we're all under control. It's just Play Doh in a cave, (laughs) and I don't know. I'm your host, Steve Kaufman. You can find me on Twitter at Steve Kaufman. That is K A U F M A N N. But I'm not alone. I'm with my returning panelists. Yes, welcome back, guys. Season two, super excited for this. Saw the first two episodes. I hope you guys have two. Amazing, and I can't wait to review the show with you. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, Ashley underscore Chapman. Hi, so good to see you guys. It feels mm. like so, <laughs> I want to say, like, how's your summer? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> Like our 10-year reunion. I mean, how was our winter and spring? Yeah. That too. Hey, guys, I just want to say hello, especially how's your summer to the fans? Thank you for watching us once again. I'm JC. Follow me at TV on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope is, once again, I'm so excited to break this down. Mm. Go down the rabbit hole with you guys, because there's a lot to be said. So thank you. And before we jump down the rabbit hole, I do have to mention Steph Z, who was in this cha- who was at this panel last year. She is a morning DJ in yes. Wisconsin. So congrats to her. I know. Congrats, congrats to her. We miss you. But it's really late there, so she's probably asleep. Yeah. Probably. Um, so let's jump. Let's just dive into that rabbit yeah. hole. All right. Let's do it. Elliot is, we presume, in his childhood home. We're actually not sure. Right. First off, I want to take it a step back further. I mean, thoughts of the episode itself. Like, mm. I just thought the episode, my word to describe it would be taut. Yes. Absolutely. I felt something with Sam at directing it. Now, I just, even sh- there were certain shots. I felt everything. I felt like I was kind of like, almost like, like scrunched in. I had mm. nowhere to go. And I felt that, especially like Susan Jacobs' character, who we'll get into a little bit mm-hmm. later, you see that in the direction. You see that he's working with smaller spaces. He's making him feel kind of paranoid. And you feel that all throughout. And I, I just, I love what he did. And, you know, a lot of people said it was a lot on his plate to be the showrunner mm. and to direct. Yeah. Because and... last year he didn't write and direct every episode. Correct. Yeah. Whereas this year he's writing and directing every, every episode. episode. Which. Yeah. From an auteur theory, I, appre- I appreciate and agree with. This is a, clearly his show, and it's clearly his mark. So this season will truly be 100% his vision. Yeah. yeah, and I saw an interview that Rami Malek did, um, and he was telling him that, you know, he basically called him up on the phone. Rami Malek was working on another project and was like, I know, I'm going to tell you the entire season two. Do you want to hear it right now? He's like, I'm working on a you know, movie. I can't, I can't take this right now. But he's basically saying that, you know, Elliot and, and the storyline is going to delve even deeper and even darker than 
what he can imagine. And he, you know, he said, well, you've already put Elliot through everything. Like, what else is there? So it'll be really interesting to see, you know, him writing and being the showrunner for for these 12 episodes for this season, how that plays out and just how far he's going to take it. Do you us. think it's darker already? I think it started off with a great, great start. Um, I I had that feeling of just satisfying unsatisfaction, if that makes any sense. Because no, we came a back... A great TV show should feel that you way. Know, you know, we came back and we got some unanswered questions to some questions, but now we have more unanswered questions, and right. I just, I was just like, I wanted it all right then <laughs> and there. I was ready to, like, open up my computer and, like, just give it to me. So, I'm really excited for this season, but yes, I do think that it, it already is off to a really great dark start. Mm. I also agree that it's just... Right where it left off. Mm-hmm. So much so, those of you who who freeze frame the screen is totally not me. We know <laughs> that it's June eleventh, Wednesday, June eleventh, twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. At least in the scene with the woman in the house. Okay. A month from. Yeah, like, a roughly month, a month from. Roughly a month movie. from the the incident from the season finale. Yeah. Man, th- this episode. These episodes just. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline or so and taught is a good word because really good art and really good writing not only just guides you through the characters and their emotions but it guides you through your own thoughts mm-hmm. that if it's deep enough you'll cons- you'll constantly relate it back of like well what well he represents this and he yeah. I feel like he is this and then it just it's kind of a mind trick because if you make it deep enough people will find their own meaning yeah oh very true as we'll get so, into so Let's find out what it meant to us. Okay, <laughs> let's do that. Let's get into it. Okay, you guys are gonna, you guys are gonna say, JC, you have way too much time on your hands. <laughs> I, I, Never. No, because you're forgetting you're talking to. Me. All right, all right. All right. <laughs> there was an open you know, when he's at his mother's house mm-hmm. that I really wanted to bring up that point when he's you see him on his desk mm-hmm. and you see um, there's there's a book there's mm-hmm. Resurrection which is Tolstoy's Resurrection. Mm-hmm. And I, I've never read Tolstoy, and but I, I looked it up, and it, it talked about a man making up for his crimes of the past, mm-hmm. that he had wrongfully accused someone. And so I'm wondering if, you know, because Elliot's now coming into his own trying to figure out what I did or what Mr. Robot did mm-hmm. was wrong. It, I, I'm still trying to figure that out, so I, I'm paying attention to that. And there was something else I'd, I'd written about... Um, Let's see the brain scan. There's just so much. Yeah, so no, but, much yes. but the idea of a brain scan, mm-hmm. the idea of a brain, like the idea of a brain scan in a hospital, and like, what do you believe? What actually happened? Because when you're a child, and we're bouncing around a little, but yeah. we get this flashback to when he fell out of the window, a very, mm-hmm. yeah. a very talked about part of this series. We, and it's told in such a way from his perspective, which as a child, your parents are your reality. Your parents are your construct, mm-hmm. and. Just to get into it, do we think he do do we, do we think that his father threw him out the window, or that he or that he fell, and that his father was all his his violent father, the father, the Mister Robot we always see, was always a delusion. Um, I think it could possibly be a little bit of both. Mm. Um, I think that there might have been some sort of altercation between the two of them, just because you know 
his dad did seem a little bit remorseful when they're checking on him. But I don't think that his dad was quite as, you know, animated or um, I, I guess you could say, you know, just just the way that yeah. Mr. Robot is right now. I think that that's a character that he has constructed, probably mm. even from other different people and other different experiences in his life. And it's mm-hmm. it's the it's the person that I think he wishes he can be in some point. Mm-hmm. But you know, again, with this being the episode on him trying to gain control, he loses control of that. But I think it, it can be a mix of of both. Yeah, I found it peculiar in that scene when he's there at the hospital with the, with the doctor mm-hmm. and um, Edward. He spoke about saying that they wouldn't have to worry about the bills. And I always wondered what he meant by that. Because Elliot's mom was saying, who's, how, you know, with your mounting bills, how are we going to pay for this? And he's, it's a direct quote. Mm. I, I wrote it down. He, you see. Well, I think she was saying something like, you know, to affect, I think he lost his job or mm-hmm. maybe he had something like that. So, I mean, yeah, there could be some, some shady, de- shady dealings there that we'll find out later. But yeah, I think it was just more so, it was, for me, it was just characterizing the mother as, like he said, that really dominant right. figure mm-hmm. who kind of put people down. And we'll kind of see how that plays out, because we didn't, we got a little mm-hmm. glimpse of her, but we didn't get too much of her character and how. But she's definitely a bit of a war horse. Yeah, Some, someone sure. who, someone who, when their kid breaks their arm because they fell out of a window, immediately asks how much the cast will be. Right. <laughs> the bottom line, yeah. So like, right. seriously, just how, how much to, for <laughs> right. me to leave right now and then go about, go about yeah. my system and my... My life, yeah. My life, my thing. And if we're to believe that we're at Elliot's mother's place, mm-hmm. if we're to believe mm-hmm. that, this, and I read this a lot in like in the blogs and whatnot, that it almost feels like he's in prison and mm-hmm. that the mom is the warden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You look at the routine because he yeah. put himself in that routine. You have breakfast, lunch, dinner, just like you would in the, in the prison house at yeah. X time, X time, X time. I know he's trying to keep Mr. Robot at bay. But I think he's trying to imply that, he's trying to imply that in doing so, in imprisoning yourself, you're actually mm-hmm. freeing yourself. Yeah. And then we get into that a lot with uh, Leon's character played by jo- play- jo- Craig Robinson. No, or, no, no. No, sorry. Joy, I, I you mean jo- Joy, Joy Badass. Joy Badass. Um, no, I was talking about Ray with the dog, where he oh, said, I, yeah. I envy the dog. Yeah. All the dog like... knows is that he's a dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That it's kind of the same thing that he puts himself in a box yeah. and tries to shield himself from the rest of the world because that's easier. And of course, the devil you know is it's better than the devil you don't know. Mm-hmm. You um, know you put yourself in a box. Yeah. If you're out in the world, and if you're out in the world, there's a constant fear that someone put you in a box. Yeah, but I do think it's it's a part of him, you know, just trying to cope with what he's done, and then, like you said, trying to figure out if what the, if the hack was actually a good thing or mm-hmm. if it wasn't, mm-hmm. and then and what exactly he did. Where's Tyrell? Exactly, I know. <laughs> so it's it's him. You know, he said that this is a new program for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that you know he's really trying to to make sense of it, which I think it's it's still funny because he still refers to us as the audience. You know, so there there's still those inner mechanisms. Well, and then of, he also we got a scene with the therapist, which by the way I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. His therapist is there out of could because she's scared. She's not there out of obligation. You think so? I, I think she's afraid of what he'll do. I think or can a, do. For me, it's I think it's a microcosm of who she is as a person because it's a bad relationship and mm. she went back to it. Ooh. Mm, that's good. I like snap, that. Snap. Because like she showed she that sh- last season with Shan with um, Hanson. She shouldn't be with. Yeah. She shouldn't be with Elliot. And right. she's intrigued by that too. Yeah. I think a little bit. And terrified. Yeah. Because she's... And she's being a terrible therapist. Like, he's telling her about how he put himself in a box with two people who do not exist. And she's like, so why did you choose your mother? To be an invisible person that you've let imprison you. More questions I'm not going to put you on medicine or let you do anything other than explain to me 
But that said, we get a moment where she asks him, like, straight up yeah. about it, and he, we, we, they cut away. Yeah. And then he immediately says, you, the audience, mm-hmm. I don't trust you. Mm-hmm. I don't trust you. I'm not going to tell you this part. Proving, once again, the unreliable narrator, which is always fun. Because <sighs> I think the unreliable narrator can pretty much be written to the panels like this. I've learned not to question it all mm-hmm. season. I spent half the season last. What's real? What's not real? Just go along for the ride. We mad. What's real is what we've seen. Um, yes. Or, and then or, we'll or see maybe. something later that'll disprove <laughs> it, and we can move on. Yeah. It's been a lot. We spent a lot of time last season. <laughs> yes, drowning in that out. So I'm trying to think of anything else that stood up between Elliot. We haven't even talked about the new battle with he and Mr. Robot. Yeah. Mm. How well, it's changed. Apparently the guns are imaginary, too. Yeah. But not to Elliot. So he shoots him in the face. Elliot gets up. Do you think the ledger, his journal where he's writing, do you think that's actually to us? I think that... I think that... mm, I think that number number one priority, it's for him. It's for him to keep track... Because he's really trying to yeah, stay in this like mode literally of trying control. to keep Liter- yeah every single moment. There's no gaps, but I think that you know speaking on that line of trust, it was interesting because right after that we see certain you know we're not led into the whole journal, so we can't see it full page. Mm-hmm. So I kind of saw those little snapshots of you know certain parts that he had written as kind of like him slowly opening the door back to us again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned that because. You know, there's there's still so much about like this feels really really different from the first season to where we really got like a close up front seat. And mm. this one, I kind of felt like I was like, you know, trying to look around to see if um, you know we would get a little bit more information. And, and they're slowly but surely revealing that in- information to us. But it's kind of like with the composition book, it's just little shots here and mm-hmm. there, and you kind of have to grab whatever information mm-hmm. you can and put the pieces together yourself. You bring in a good point. It's uh, comparing it from the first season to the second. It mm-hmm. almost seems more. Even more of a character study. Yeah. The second season, mm-hmm. the first, the first scene had a little more like action to it, I believe. Because the first season was let's explore his break. Mm-hmm. Let's explore him from thinking he's kind of okay to realizing he's talking to someone who wasn't there. Yeah. Whereas the second season is literally. But now that he knows that he sees and talks to people that do not exist, mm-hmm. and he's a very skilled hacker and he's involved in what seems to be a financial revolution. How does he deal with that? Mm-hmm. Like, let's really dive in. Mm-hmm. How does someone deal with all of this? You know, it's interesting because, and I don't know if this is a part of the game that Mr. Robot is playing, because he has, has taken over him in a sense. And, he, you know, he lost a couple of hours, you know, not to jump too mm-hmm. far into the episode, but he lost some time um, where Mr. Robot, you know, apparently did something. He still can't figure out those those three days that happened right after... Um, the the hack went down, so he has an ability to get you know into Elliot's head mm-hmm. essentially and like kind of take over in a sense. So I wonder why is he fighting so hard for control? And it almost seems as if it, it's placing him in a in a weaker position because Elliot knows that he has that upper hand. I don't know. I just I feel like. He can kind of take, you know, manipulate him a little bit more. And in the in the first couple of episodes, he was really like fighting angrily for him to get out of this this box, this world. But I'm like, you're in his head, 
you know, you have that ability to manipulate him. I just wonder why it's so much of a struggle now, even though he's going through his routine. I just, mm. what do you guys think about that? Like, why it's taking so long or why it's more difficult for him to sort of break through? I think he figured it out and it happened in the, towards the end of the second episode, the second part of mm-hmm. the first episode. I think he, fig- I think he started to figure it out. And I don't know if I want to jump ahead to that part just yet because mm-hmm. it, it's where it ended. Yeah. Yeah. And Which it, is where we'll end. Yeah. Will be okay. the easiest way to do that. We'll come back to that. Do way. we have anything on just Elliot and his routine? Um, we got Joey Badass, who's playing Ray. Leon. No, Rion. No, no. I'm. Leon. I have it in front of me both times, and I'm still just like, no, okay. that's. But what do you think? Commenters. What do you think about Joey Badass and his portrayal of Leon? Oh, he was great. Was great. That um, was really great. I specifically enjoyed. If I ever meet that Kramer dude. <laughs> <laughs> and it, so true. Like you just, you know. It, so much of a commentary on just our social life and our culture. Um, you know, the fact that he could just sit and literally breakfast, lunch, and mm. dinner. Seinfeld episodes. And that's so indicative of so many people. I know not yeah. putting anybody on blast. But there are, are a lot of people, you know, who were just in this mind state of talk, talk, talk. You know, not really thinking about the other person and checking in and stuff like that. So just a lot of great little nuggets of, you know, the show doing sort of a social commentary on our culture, our mm-hmm. society, and sort of how we view certain things. I thought he was a good <clears throat> Joey Badass. He did a great job. With- that to talk to someone really means to sit and listen as someone talks yeah. at you. And even though I love Seinfeld, I mean, it was like really. Seinfeld but no, he he really, day. but he and knew it. But, but it was it was it. pretty deep for how he was talking about mm-hmm. Seinfeld because Seinfeld yeah. is not a very deep show. Oh, no, and he was talking and about like, like he was fr- Frasier. Or something, he found a lot you know, of depth to it. Well, because he's like, well, maybe it's meaningless because life is meaningless, and I was like. I've never put it into that sentence before. But you're right. Seinfeld is meaningless because it's art and it's imitating life. And life, especially in the late 90s, was pretty meaningless. But do you think, I mean, taking it a step further, I think we know Sam Esmail does this all for a reason. Hmm. And in his notebook, in Elliot's notebook, it said Red red Wheelbarrow. I don't know if you noticed that Mm -hmm. on his journal. And when they're talking about Hot Carla in the, the, in the basketball game. I'm happy we're talking about Hot Carla. Hot Carla. She needs the, she's coming back. Well, <laughs> yeah. she's burning a book in the oh, red, yeah. re- mm-hmm. uh, red wheelbarrow. Inside that book, I mean, inside that wheelbarrow yeah. is Waiting for Godot. Mm. The, the book which is about nothing. Yeah. Existentialism. Yes. So connecting it all to Seinfeld. And we have this little theme. So basically, is it telling us... Quit looking into every single little thing. I may be just throwing you off as a red herring, just keeping you guys entertained. Yes. <laughs> yeah? Yes. I feel like I'm late to the party. Okay. No, that's the short <laughs> end. No, but yes, that's... <laughs> it only took us one whole season to, to be fair, it that, out, To yeah. be fair, that's a pretty deep way of saying, hey, don't look into everything. Yeah. Is because, and I think that's part of, partly existential and a little surreal. Mm-hmm. That in order to find that clue is... You literally have to look up the book that someone's birding in a red wagon. Red <laughs> wagon is written in the where it's like you have to go so deep. It reminds me of the George Carlin joke where if you turn if you play a Beatles album backwards, it says, "Hey, dummy, you're playing a Beatles album backwards." <laughs> but sometimes, try sometimes Don't try that at home, folks. Um, to move on, we got introduced to a brand new character this episode. Yes, a couple new characters. Well, yeah. Episode one. Um, this would be episode two. Okay. The, just the FBI agent. We got like a, a snippet of her. And we're mm-hmm. gonna see a lot of her. She and is. Where's that page? And also Susan too, right? Who's she is that? Dominique DePero, mm-hmm. who the supplementary material tells us is an FBI agent, who we have to assume is gonna be going after F Society. Right. She is played by Grace Gummer, someone who I've enjoyed on both Suits and the Newsroom, and everything else she's done. She's a wonderful actress. 
also happens to be Meryl Streep's daughter. Right. Right, so... What a a life. I know, right? What I thought was fascinating about her introduction as a character was that within... 15 seconds, you you saw both sides of her. Mm-hmm. Mm. She was a charmer, and she could turn it on and with the guy behind her in line. Yeah. And she just... There was an edge to her. There, I thought she was just going to be this ang- you know, this person who's mm-hmm. on this relentless chase after who knows F Society, Elliot, who knows what her mm-hmm. her full arc is. But I just love that we saw... Sam gave us that in 30 seconds flat. This is who she is. But we saw a lot of that in this episode. We saw a lot of two sides of people. Um, like with the other new character, Susan, who they call her the executioner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so seeing her, you know, being this badass with the, the CTOs and, mm-hmm. and, you know, basically pushing that whole narrative forward. But then her being kind of in her home and like feeling helpless. Like her, be, still, her literally being unable to control anything, anything in her home. Yeah, exactly. The home is the place where you should be able to have complete control over everything. And she had Which no is control. what she would have been sold on on mm-hmm. a home on a home security system like that. Yeah. Is like one tablet, you have complete control of everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's specifically in her home. That's those are the, those are my favorite shots of the of both episodes. Yes. When she when she dove into her pool, when she was in the shower, the crowdedness. She felt cr- I, I could feel. Mm. I was like, I was watching it like this. I was scrunching my shoulders because I could feel that um, Esmail had just narrowed the view for you, and just you feeling mm. the so much. So we in. were we were all expecting like someone to literally confront her. Yeah. Yeah. Because we I wasn't know who was going after her, so mm-hmm. I was assuming like no someone's going to actually physically show up there. Until yeah. I thought about it, and like that 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 would not be the Hitchcock way to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Hitchcock way to do it would be to let her fix the whole house, have the have the, have a contractor come in, and say yeah, I don't know what happened. Yeah. And but- then somebody comes and slits her throat. But right. But that's a great we get point. That later. Yeah. That's but that's a great point. The walls are closing in on a lot of characters. We see it with Elliot, we see it with Darlene, we see it with Angela. Mm. So many people are filling in this mm. crunch. Even with, Everyone's getting in their own box. E-Corp. Yeah. Even with E Corp. And they're mm-hmm. they're all feeling, you know, minimalized and sort of scrunched down and held down and in the in a prison, so to speak. Mm. You know, kind of boxed in like Elliot in his room. So yeah, great parallels there. Um so Susan's house becomes the new headquarters for F Society. Darlene pretty much set up this house to like torment Susan to the point where she leaves to her house in Greenwich, which must be so nice. So horrible. Oh my good I have to leave my New York house and go to my Greenwich house because the system that's in my New York house that probably costs like three of our houses. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that is, is, not, is, is not working? Sense. I need to fix up. it. Yes, and apparently five point nine million dollars can just be found in her cushion somewhere. Well, so. to be fair, that was E Corp. Oh, okay. okay. It was all of E Corp, which yeah. <laughs> um, Darlene takes control over that. Yeah. They cut off the bull, or they cut off the bull's testicles from yeah. the very famous bull in Wall Street. So great. And then she has like a bunch of broy frat dudes mm-hmm. working <laughs> in a society taking selfies with. These balls, like, where did she? Are they? Do they code or are they the muscle? I, I have a feeling that they're muscle. Yeah. That she has coders and then she has muscle. I'm really interested with Darlene because I want to see the sh- uh, the shift in essence because Elliot's nowhere to be found basically yeah. and basically uh, F Society is on her shoulders mm. and you could see her kind of cracking when you see that scene when she's in the bathroom before yeah. she gives her George W. Bush speech. <laughs> right. She can't, you know, it's her adjustment now. Yeah. You know, this is which I thought was weird because Elliot is staying at their mom's house, so presumably, presumably. Um, but yeah, it just, I don't know, maybe it's just because she couldn't get it. Find, I don't know, it just, it seemed like she was still just trying to move forward. There wasn't really a push think, for her to try and find I think the part Elliot. of Elliot that is Mr. Robot 
filled a huge leadership part yes. of what F Society was that led them to what they did. Mm-hmm. That him, him like pretty much washing his hands of whatever just happened. Yeah, he doesn't even know yet. Makes it really difficult for her to like. To how do I weight. fill? Yeah, because he believed it. Yeah, whether it was it was him, regardless of who him was. That made sense, actually. Yeah, but, in this context, yeah, we know, we all get that. But one. Yeah. the fact that he's gone now, like, she doesn't know what she was actually doing. Was she just supporting her brother? Was she placating her brother? Did she actually believe this? Yeah. Does she actually believe this? I think it's more of the theme. It's control is an illusion. She has no control. Mm. She can't. Ha- it's another example of control is an illusion, even for her. Just how we saw it, we sh- they showed it in Elliot, now it's Darlene's turn. And now she's not surrounded by those core people who actually really did believe it, too, and were really passionate about it. Because you see, you know, the juxtaposition between her. She's very serious. She's very in it. She's like, this is a war, and we have to be, you know, militant, and we have to be one step ahead. Whereas everybody else is just kind of like, you know, party-hardy, right? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and the other the hackers who were there, you know, they're her other core team. We didn't really see any of them in, as a part of this group. So... And I think it's a mixture of all of those things. Her feeling like she doesn't have control. Elliot taking a back seat and really thrusting this mm-hmm. entire responsibility on her. And her feeling that pressure of not wanting to get caught and not wanting to lose this this war, basically. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's interesting. I I guess, you know, I, I really wondered, you know, is she, is she kind of wonder? Is she concerned about where Elliot is? Like, is she, is that a part of what she's trying to do as well? Trying to find him? Figure mm-hmm. out what happened? Or... I think... And I have a theory on this, and maybe I'm dead wrong. I think she's so concerned for Elliot, and, like, so woefully upset about what's happening to Elliot, or where he is, or what is going down, and what's happened to Angela as well, Mm -hmm. that she's diving into a cause. Mm -hmm. Because you can always find a boogeyman. Yeah. Which, Evil Corp is literally a boogeyman. Which... And us in our own lives, we can always point to the top one, per- like the evil part of the top one percent, and say they're the reason for my problems. Mm-hmm. They're the reason for all of our problems. You should follow me. And eighty to a hundred hours every week, all you'll do is sleep in this cause, and then you'll never actually have to worry about your problems. Very true. So that's her box. Mm-hmm. You know, not entirely. We we did get to see Mowgli, and we we got mm. to, we learned. Because I know this season they're going to dive into... A, it's not just going to be about Elliot and Mr. Robot. I think this, they're really going to explore everyone in F Society. Mm. And yeah. this week we got to we got to see Mobley's background. He's an IT guy at, at at Bank of E. Or or at the very least he infiltrated Bank of E as an IT guy. Yeah. Both seem reasonable. Mm-hmm. I feel like he could have... I feel like that makes more... He could have been an IT guy at Bank of E this whole time. Just like Elliot did all safe. Yeah, like that explains why they had so much insight and information yeah. and... Mm-hmm. I, I think he was yeah. infiltrating, though. That's that's the sense that I get. Oh, you, you, you're because yeah. okay. that that whole situation happened after she gave him that speech. So, right? Wasn't that what? Yeah, that, yeah. that happened so, immediately after she gave him the speech. I have a feeling. I th- I think he works for for Bank of E. I think he's an IT guy there, just like Elliot was. I I, I humbly like disagree. what was his day job before he joined our society? I could buy that. I could buy either one. But it just seemed convenient that that their lockout happened. You know, right as he was working. I mean, he was there. You well, know no, he, I mean? so, that was his infection. Yeah. He did that. Oh, okay, whether he, okay, whether he infiltrated them in a week or whether he had been working okay, there the whole I see, time. I see. This okay. explains, like, in, in last season when they went to Steel Mountain and how he was able to get in. Mobley was kind of the point man in that, in yeah. that aspect of getting Elliot in and knowing how to, you know, he wrote the Wikipedia page for Sam Sepiels. Mm-hmm. You know, 
it's his thing. It's, yeah. He's the IT guy. Everyone has a little spe- a specialty out of F Society. And okay. That's also, a, I can buy that. Also, that scene with the woman trying, like, giving F Society, or giving yeah. E Corp the business. Yeah. Of, like, if... If you had proof that I didn't pay my bill, I'd be out on I'd be out of my house. Yeah. But you can't prove that I did pay my bill. And that she's you know, the teller saying, I don't even know if we even really have your money. So that's another Well really not to mention and they talk a lot about they talk a lot about like financial crashes mm-hmm. on a macro level. What actually what actually hurt a lot of banks in um the Great Depression were runs on the bank. Yeah. Just literally a run on the bank. Because mm-hmm. a bank can't possibly have everyone's... Money. One branch can't possibly have everyone's money. Yeah. Right. And they talked a lot about how uh, FDR closed the banks. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a plan. Other than if I close the banks and tell everyone to trust me, it'll all work out. Yep. And tell everyone that we have it under control, we know what we're doing, and cre- continue creating that illusion mm-hmm. of... It's fine. You have nothing to worry about. Trust me. The long con. When in reality, he pretty much closed the banks and knew he'd figure it out in three days. Yeah. But I think a lot of people just trusted that he knew he'd figure it out in three days. So it's about the same. And we saw that a lot with uh, Darlene's speech. We see that a lot with that. Now that, like, sometimes as a leader, you just have to make a very broad statement. Yeah. Um, So it's Operation... Pay your pay your. I forgot. I have it. Didn't have it right. Written down. So, are we talking the, about the, the hack? Fi- yeah, the hack. Yes. The hack. T- the hack the on encryption? Bank of E. The ba- The hack on Bank of E. Okay. All right. The five point nine million. Five, yeah. Five. Okay. Yeah, five point nine million because it happened on five, five nine. Five nine attack. Yeah. And then we had uh, Scott Knowles be the the, the point man, yeah. <laughs> which was so great to see him back. I was. Were you guys speculating between episode one and two who he was going to meet at that drop? Was it going to be? I, I had. I thought it might be Terrell. I thought it might be. I thought it might be. I. I, I, I thought it might. They were. They were going to put. Even though she's just a manager of PR, Angela, and she was going to run into someone. I had a thought that that would happen too. That would have PR. That would have felt really forced. Right. I actually thought this time. I actually thought he's. He's probably not going to meet anyone. I figured that they. Because. Because. After Darlene's speech, you know, I could really see that she just doesn't want this. She doesn't Uh want to make it easy for them in any way, shape, or form. So this is going to be like a cat and mouse game, you know, Um, leaving little trails and and Easter egg, you know, hunts or whatever. Um, So she's she's going to try and make this as complicated for them as possible. And this is a revolution that is going to continue forward for however long they choose to to push this forward. So I kind of thought that this would be like one thing where they think that they would, Mm -hmm. you know, deliver the money and make and get the codes to unlock it. But they would completely set them up. And that's what ended up happening. Does it coincide with Elliot's motto from episode one? It's never been about the money, Holmes. (laughs) That makes sense. (laughs) That's That's what he said. It's never been about the money. So was it Elliot that sent that direct order and we just don't know because we don't see everything? Or is it just no, I think Darlene, F Society? Yeah, yeah F Society Darlene. was founded on that pillar that it's yeah. not about the money. It's not about us getting money as much as it's about taking money away from, in this case, who, Evil Corp, but essentially yeah. the boogeyman. Yeah. The big bad, if you will. And showing them that, that they can't be tempted by money either like they mm-hmm, can't use right. like how they've used money to you know persuade and manipulate other people that that's that's not going to cut it for them so they're dealing with a whole another monster and basically like step your game up mm. so i took it as that i took it as that too i also really like the juxtaposition of just we get like one tiny bit of this fbi agent this yeah. week 
And this is clearly the FBI agent that's going to be pursuing them for the Take next, like, yep. nine weeks. You know, but we did get to... Well, the end of that scene with uh, Grace Gummer's character was she meeting up with Gideon. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Which, because that's who Gideon was talking to. Yeah. Thank you for that transition. That You're was welcome. wonderful. You're welcome. Um, that's who Gideon was talking to. Gideon comes back to Elliot, and Elliot is just bugging out. Which is funny, because I feel like if Gideon had met with him, like, two days early, he would have just been inside his regular routine and be like, I'm so sorry about that. I don't actually know what happened. Um, I'll try my best. But because Mr. Robot's there threatening to, like, slice Gideon's throat throat and actually doing it, it's... That was a really good scene. And Gideon knows. Gideon knows... Well, Gideon knows that Elliot is in F Society and had a lot to do with this hack. And is protecting him for whatever reason. I think Gideon, deep down inside, feels like... Does does he agree with... I I disagree. I disagree because I think... That's why they showed us that scene with uh, Grace Gummer's character and um, and Gideon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He gave up Elliot there. Really? Because he threatened he was going to give up Elliot, and Elliot said, I can't do anything for you. So he gave him up already. I think so. In sequence, that would make sense. I because would, that happened after the meeting. Because then that makes sense to what happened at the end of episode two. Mm-hmm. Well, we're did, on that. We're on yeah, Gideon now. Did, did, did Elliot send that hit? Did E Corp send that hit? Did Mr. Did, Robot send that hit? Exactly. Elliot, who is Mr. Robot? Mm-hmm. But then, why would the hit matter if he's already given Elliot up? Well, he what did, did he give him in time? Or what did he give him? He probably yeah. a we name is a, a yeah. name is a name. If the FBI were any type of good at this, they'd have Elliot's name. Yeah, they'd need proof. And and in that conversation with the the hitman, it didn't really seem like Gideon had a resolve with it. I think he still. I I Wait. thought it was going to be resolved with the FBI as far as like giving Elliot up and them trying to him trying to take the attention and mm. the heat off of him. My my thought on him meeting with the FBI mm. agent was it was a flashback. This was the FBI agent that met with Gideon and spooked him so hard that he had to go talk to Elliot. Oh, you were thinking it's a flashback. I didn't, because th- I didn't th- see it that way. Only because I think everything would have to go differently. Mm-hmm. Everything else would have went differently. Yeah. If he had already given, if this were afterwards and he had already given mm-hmm. Elliot up, then who was that guy who shot him? Yeah. And if that guy was sent by a society because he ratted out Elliot, why, yeah. why after he gave him up? Like, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I know. it's Both make sense, and this show will masterfully tell us next week. Yeah. Right. And I'm, I'm crushed that we said goodbye to it. Well, what's going on uh, with Gideon? With, yeah, I know. He it shot was, the neck. Yeah, he's not, not a lot done. of hope there. You know, it's interesting, because his, his character made a really huge transition for me from the first season, because you could tell that he cares a lot about Elliot, and he did a lot to try to protect him for, for whatever reasons. Maybe he feels like Elliot is like a surrogate you know, son or just like a, a younger figure that, that he can mentor and sort of teach. And so for him to come to his house and he really was in a, a great state of desperation and like almost threatening him, you know, but you could tell like behind it, it was just, it was just him being, being very fearful, which Gideon, he's always seemed to like have it under control. He kind of has always protected Elliot mm-hmm. and kind of bailed him out in certain situations. So it was interesting that he was kind of resorting to that. I would have thought, you know, Gideon would just stick to his guns. He didn't have any information mm. on it. He wasn't behind the hack. So, I mean, what could they really do? Although, sticking with the box theory, I do find it interesting that everyone else we run into in this episode had either been put in a box or had either been put in a box or had put themselves in a box. Mm-hmm. Except for Gideon, who seems rather free. Yeah, He's an out gay man in the tech world. Mm-hmm. In the tech security world, specifically, 
who's protecting someone on a moral grounds. A moral grounds that's not incredibly clear to us yet. Yeah. And what happens to him? <laughs> He gets shot in the neck. Now he's really free. He's really, really free. Which is, I just find, it's something I noticed right now, that he's the only one not in a box. He was the only one not in a box. He was the only one who felt free and above a lot of this. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, A, he has to, A, he has to go and plead with Elliot or try to threaten Elliot, and then B, he winds up shot. It's just an interesting part. I'm so sad for that character, because since episode one, the Mm -hmm. man has been beat. Yeah. Damn. Mm. He always had great intentions. Too, he was you know? oh, he was the mo- he was probably the most sympathetic character. Yeah. Yeah, so What is that? Yeah, what does that say about hmm. the world? You know? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, and and also um wrapping up with with Gideon. It will actually we we haven't even touched upon like Angela. That's and, what was next. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. but that's yeah, let, let's because Steve, Steve's got the rundown. Oh, Steve's got the rundown. Then do it, brother. Um take us there. To bring it to bring it back to Angela, uh this CTO he burned all the money mm-hmm. at F Society's request because he needed to. He had to. Angela, who is a press secretary, seemed like a mid-level press secretary. She's a PR manager. Yeah, you know, PR manager. manager. Mm-hmm. So she still reports to a lot of different people. She could only get CNBC to do an interview for damage control. And CNBC agreed to not ask the one question they'd want to ask. Correct? She got, no, she no, got Bloomberg. She got, yeah. but, but before Bloomberg. She had CNBC. They were sending an offer letter. Was that a bluff? She, she, that was a bluff. Oh, okay. she, she want, they wanted Bloomberg. I think yeah. that less of CNBC that I think they would have done that. Okay. No, because it showed her tena- her gain tenacity. Agreed. Yeah. I showed... thought, oh, that's even more. I thought she had CNBC, and CNBC was such a booby prize that it's like, whatever. No, mm-hmm. I thought it was a... Oh, yeah, okay. That it, it was a straight-up bluff. She didn't yeah. even have CNBC. Mm-hmm. Okay. It didn't, so it that's, didn't even, that's she, even harder that she didn't... That's That's awesome. And we got to see her... Tell the lawyer from the previous case that I'm out. I'm sticking with E Corp. Yeah. I like my job. Wow, that's there's a lot there. It, yeah. it goes on with the theme of the episode of being masked. Mm-hmm. Masked. What what is her mask? Because she's acting like this very confident. You know, we it's a 180 from episode one of the last mm-hmm. season. 180, complete 180. Yeah. When you saw that when when her higher ups came in and she yeah. took care of the problem by herself, she walked off to get some coffee. Cool, calm, collected, and you're like, wow, she seemed kind of like Joanna-esque to me. Yeah. But then you see, at the end of the night, in the end, she's still the same man. She's just telling herself. Yeah. Mm. And the fact that E Corp is, is giving her, you know... Helping they're, her pay, you they're, know... They're paying her well. She feels validated. Yeah, she's able to take care of her dad, so there's a little she's bit of She's happily being put there. in their box. Yes. Yeah. But you know what? That's interesting. Even in those scenes where you know she's telling off the upper managers and and she does the call with you know booking the guests. I just I got this sense of coldness from her. Mm. Like she's really, she's trying not to make a connection. You know, almost like Elliot, where it's not me, it's not me. Like I'm doing what I have to do because X, Y, and Z has to happen, and I have. And, but but I'm not connecting to mm. it. I'm just telling myself this is what has to be done. This is what I have to do. But it was like looking the, at two different people, you know, similarly and to the Mr. word Robot connection is actually funny because we see her use the the um, affirmation video, the affirmation um, audio mm-hmm. that tra- that does actually create different neural pathways or connections. Yeah, that she's literally trying to rewire her brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. she was very robotic to me. I don't know. Yeah. she just seemed like she wasn't there, and she seemed like she. I think what happened last season was she realized. What Darlene might eventually realize, which is, there's zero, there is no amount of money that's going to bring the, that's going to take the pain away, that's going to bring your family back. Yeah. And that you need to move forward. 
I don't particularly think this is a healthy forward for mm-hmm. her, but it is a forward. Do we think that she still is trying to maintain some, some, I guess, a, a part of herself where, you know, not trying to be corrupted by E-Corp and there's, there's maybe I feel a, a like larger that's what those, there? I feel like that's what those affirmations are part of. Okay. That maybe, maybe, she's, remember herself. maybe she's okay. programming herself to be a robot. Oh, okay. To get into to in, to either be in a place to like really wreck them from the inside, or truly just settle in settle into. I don't know what happiness is, but yeah. I'll know. I know it when I experience it, and if I have to literally rewire my brain to have it, yeah, I'll have it. And we spoke about this about her, about her journey. That yeah. you know, she was this. I don't want to say she was a. Oh, I don't want to say weaker character. Her, you know, she was. Weaker in personality, and is she grew strength, and but we don't know if it's at a false strength, and is she going to turn into this mustache twirling <laughs> yeah. baddie? Or but uh, Portia Doubleday was talking about her character that she's not going to have. It's not going to be this moment. It's like this. You're going. She's going to become this uber bitch. Th- yeah, those are her, that was her <clears> quote. <throat> but that it was going to just be gradual. Slow, yeah, and, and we're seeing that. Slow so arc. is are we? Is she going to, like you said, lose herself into the family of E Corp, or is she going to stand with her original principles? Yeah. Or is she fighting to do that, you know, to maintain I it? I really don't know. I think she's just been so wrecked by everything mm-hmm. that even if it's knowingly a prison, similar to what Elliot's doing, okay. it's a prison nonetheless. Like, it's, if you can find happiness in a prison, if, if you can find happiness in a prison and you can't find happiness outside of prison, yeah, that's true. The prison's safe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's true. I don't know. Like, I literally don't know. Nobody does. Yeah. But that would be a good way to look at it. Last topic, the way this episode ends, is also how this episode begins with Elliot and Tyrell. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to see some scenes in the arcade that we didn't get to see before. Yeah. Where Elliot programmed the whole hack after he showed Tyrell, and this would have been episode nine of last season. And he at was the connecting of, with White Rose, right? During that transcription in the very beginning? Was that who he was? I think, no, I think he was, that was all a point. They were trying to clear the, the honeypot so that they could put the, yeah. the payload okay. in. I don't, did he need White Rose? I don't think he need, needed White Rose to do that. I mm-hmm. don't remember now. Okay. No, they just needed to get, was it Dulles to open, give him yeah. the permission to. He needed Dulles to, to give him permission to get into the, to use the honeypot to then do the whole thing, which is what happens, meaning this would have been 5-8 or 5-9, probably late into 5-8 into 5-9. Yeah. All the stuff that he missed. And all the stuff we've been talking about with that god dang popcorn maker. Yes. We finally got to see him reach into the popcorn maker and presumably shoot at Tyrell? We don't know. Or get a fresh batch of popcorn. Who it's knows? Ba- he did Who not knows? grab a bag. No. You need a bag. Like, that's freshly popped popcorn. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think outside the box here. No, um, yeah, what do, what do we think? Do we think, uh... I, I, I want to go with the obvious route, but that hasn't always worked out well for me. Tyrell's um, alive. Or, well, actually, also the way this episode ends is Elliot is on a red phone with Tyrell. It is Tyrell's voice. Mm-hmm. That can bring us into predictions. Yes. All right. So let's... And now, you're Two episodes, we did it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot had happened there. So... Do we think Tyrell Wellick is alive? And by alive, I mean not shot from the gun that's in the popcorn maker. Not shot. Um, I my my instinct says I want to I want to say he's dead. But the only reason why I don't think he is is because Mr. Robot wouldn't tell him. 
was like, I can't tell you what happened to him. If he was dead, I think Mr. Robot would confess that because that would be a really great move to sort of get him out of thinking that he's in control and basically mm. saying, like, look, I made you do this, you know, kind of to snap him out of it. But the fact that he is keeping that from him and he has kind of been forthcoming about a lot of stuff that's happened that he's made him do. So the fact that he's keeping this a secret, it makes me feel like he is alive and maybe there's something else that, that Mr. Robot is sort of using him for to, to kind of hide it. Or if he is, and this was a way far out thought, if he is dead, that maybe now another part of his psyche has broken <laughs> off and Tyrell is a part of his, a new Mr. Mm. Robot, essentially. Because mm. they're both dominant characters like that. That's my theory. My theory is you shot him right then and there, but Tyrell Wellick lives on on this show mm-hmm. through his, through his, Elliot's psyche because this is another yeah. shattered version of his psyche. His mom is one thing, his dad is one thing, Tyrell Wellick's another thing, which is something they've all been in this series at some point or another. Crap! I think you guys are onto something because then if we go back to the last episode of season one when Joanna tells mm. Elliot if you've done anything, and it was in was it in Danish or Swedish? I forget which uh, one yeah. she Swedish, I think. And that if you've ever if you've done anything to him, mm-hmm. you know, like I forget the quote that she's going to either hurt him or kill mm-hmm. him. Yeah. So uh, we didn't cover sense. the Joanna stuff, but yeah. we, we didn't go. We, we we're, we're there. She's in some weird sex stuff with a different dude, and, and she uh, phone she's with the detective. Unknown. Yeah. And lastly, a quick prediction on: I think Elliot found the key on how to handle Mr. Robot, and we found that because he said if he figured out if I go mad. Mm. We both lose. Yes. Mm. And that's what I thought was really huge. That was a big takeaway of episode two for me. That he now has an inclining of how to control Mr. Robot in a sense. Because if I go mad, we're both dead. Yeah. Mm. Psychologically. I like that. Does anyone have any burning season-long predictions before we get out of here? <laughs> I don't even know. Does anyone want to oh put their God. foot in their mouth right now? Or do they want to wait? Uh, I, I watched our first after show. And some of those predictions. Is he a robot? <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Is Steve. he real? Well, yeah, I predict that I will not pull out all of my hair watching season two like I did for season one. And I'm just going to keep it there because there's just yeah. way too much to talk about for this episode. Awesome. Yeah, I, I've got no more predictions, man. We'll, we'll save them for maybe next week. I, yeah. think everyone, I think everyone tries to break out of their box. That's all yes. I got. Nice. <laughs> good, good. Um, keep it safe. In the meantime, where can the people find us on the Twitters? On the Twitters. Hey, guys. I'm on Twitter, Ashley underscore Chapman and Instagram. Hit me up. Nice. For joining me. Nice. And also, follow me. I'm actually doing a watch-along. I'm, I'm going to do a little watch-along for Mr. Robot, actually. When? Um, either tonight or tomorrow. I'm going I'm to tweet oh, it out. okay. So nice. we're going to watch it together and stuff that we miss, like go a little deeper with Joanna mm-hmm. and whatnot. Just go follow me at TV on Instagram, Twitter, and Periscope. And you guys can find me on Twitter and almost Twitter exclusively at Steve Kaufman. That is K-A-U-F. M-A-N-N. I will be taking the next two weeks off because next week I will be at San Diego Comic-Con. And if USA approves it, I will be... If USA approves it, I'll be getting to interview the cast of Mr. Robot. So tweet me your questions either way. Perfect. Hit up. And the week after that, I have some some special replacements in mind. Thank you and good night. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Later! The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.